0: Welcome to this episode of Clearedcast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. First, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by the Intelligence and National Security Alliance, or INSA. INSA is the leading nonpartisan association for driving public-private partnerships to advance intelligence and national security priorities. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Clearedcast. I'm Katie Keller, editorial communications manager with clearancejobs.com. And today I am joined by Tony Frazier, who is the executive vice president at Maxar Technologies. And he also sits on the board of directors at the Intelligence and National Security Alliance. Tony leads Maxar's global sales, BD, service delivery and account management. And today we'll be chatting it up about diversity and inclusion among other things. So Tony, thanks so much for joining me for this episode of cast
1: Yeah, thank you, Katie, glad to be on.
0: I thought that we could start off by talking about Maxar's mission, and you guys are actually a clearance jobs partner, which is really exciting.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and we, we really value the relationship. Uh, you know, Maxar was formed through the combination of multiple entities that have been supporting both the space and earth intelligence mission. For many decades, we came together Under the legacy brands of Digital Globe, Radiant Solutions, and Space Systems Loral, to create Maxar a few years ago. Today, we have 4,000 team members that are really focused on helping customers across both the public and private sector understand our changing planet, create access to broadband communications, space, and also floor (laughs) deep space. And so, we do that through both what we call earth intelligence capabilities. So everything from high resolution satellite imagery that we collect with the constellation of satellites we own and operate all the way through delivery, finished intelligence to customers across the national security community. So that's kind of our core business where we do a lot of cleared work today. But then we also build spacecraft for both Communication satellites, reconnaissance, and then also space robotics.
0: Very cool. It sounds like great, interesting work, and especially you know, hearing that you have 4,000 employees—a uh, very stable company within national security.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and of those 4,000 team members, about a thousand are cleared. We hire aerospace engineers, systems engineers, software developers, data scientists, different forms of analysts, both geospatial analysts and then other types of intelligence to support our customers. So that's both building capability, so things like machine learning solutions that apply computer vision to remote sensing data to be able to extract features to power a map you know, or do other types of automated object detection to understand activity around a given location or designing you know, the next generation of assets that will support key reconnaissance missions for, for various intelligence agencies. So it's very, very exciting work, highly relevant, you know, given where, where we see the community going in response to the national defense strategy.
0: Excellent. Great opportunities, technical opportunities within s So Maxar being in defense and space, why would you, in your opinion, say that diversity and inclusion is not only important for any industry, but specifically to national security?
1: Well, I think that in our world, you know, you need diverse perspective, you know, in order to bring creative and innovative solutions to to mission. So, you know, there's many studies that, that highlight, you know, the importance of diversity to get the most, you know, out of, you know, various opportunities for, for driving uh, change, you know, bringing new perspective, you know, to those problems. And, and so, you know, I, I myself came from commercial industry for many years. You know, I spent about 15 to 20 years in commercial tech and, and really, just came into this community in 2010. I think that brought you know a different perspective. So diversity of thought is important, but diversity of background is important as well. You know, being person of color, you know, African American, uh, executive, you know, in this industry, a lot of the the missions we we serve were supporting the warfighter. You know, when you look at our forces, we have in many cases a very diverse set of stakeholders, you know, that we're that we're serving, but our team members don't represent that, don't mirror that. We're not going to deliver solutions that are relevant for those end users. So that's a, another area that I've been really focused on, uh, both at, at Maxar and, you know, and through my engagement with INSA is again understanding who it is we're serving and then how do we get in all of these disciplines, get equal representation of both the the ethnic and gender diversity to to support that community
0: those are great points and you know i think also just thinking about the future of national security i think it's important as younger generations are entering the workforce that they do see folks who may have their background especially if it's i mean if it's underrepresented they might not be interested in entering a career in national security, which is a very important part of our society.
1: Absolutely, it's funny you say that. I was, um, so I have been out of, so my, I graduated from uh, from college in the early 90s, and I was talking to our, our intern class. Uh, we, we had over 150 interns that participated in our program this past summer, all virtual. And I was sharing with them that You know, one of my internships, uh, I worked for GE Aerospace. I was a system engineer at the University of Pennsylvania. And the project was to do essentially modeling simulation of a a weapon system where I was doing all the work on classified, but it was, you know, doing some old (laughs) programming languages that I'd be embarrassed to share share the detail of those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh but coming out of that that summer, which was a great great experience for me, GE asked me to they wanted me to come back uh, to work out at their Valley Forge facility and they said, "Oh, hey, we'll we'll get you in the process to start a security clearance." I had no idea what that was. <laughs> you know, growing up in a small town in Ohio and and uh, when they said, "Oh, we'll 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 send people to go uh, do interview background interviews, going back I think up to 15 years, and I, I was wondering if they are going to talk to my kindergarten <laughs> teacher at the time <laughs> about how I uh, showed up in the playground. So th- the point of that being, you know, we have a great opportunity to, you know, given the fact that a lot of these technologies that traditionally have been all classified, classified systems, you know, classified applications, there's a good mix of things you can do, leveraging commercial and open source intelligence but they can be applied to very sensitive uh, national security missions. And so one of the things we've been focused on is, you know, how do we, we leverage outreach efforts like our internships, like other types of coding challenges, data science initiatives as a way to uh, attract people into our industry and then get them in the pipeline. And, and as you mentioned, you know, if we are going to move the needle on diversity, we need to kind of go where that talent is. then help them understand that they can both do very innovative work, you know, applying kind of the latest and greatest technical innovations, but apply it to missions that matter, which I've found incredibly gratifying, you know, particularly after spending the early part of my career focused on traditional big type applications.
0: Knowing that you spent some time in the commercial sector and then now working at Maxar, you probably have a, a diverse perspective on what an exemplary diversity and inclusion program looks like. So what does that look like
1: to you? Well, I think it starts with understanding the kind of the current state of affairs, you know, which is kind of indexing kind of your current metrics, you know, around diversity, you know, along all areas. So whether it's, again, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, people with disabilities, uh, people who've served uh, in the military. So those are areas that we've been focused on is, you know, how do we, through a robust self-identification campaign, you understand the current state of affairs and how that benchmarks, you know, against different organizations, both the natural security community as well as the, the technology industry. So we started there. We've also been very focused on engaging our workforce to understand what their top-of-mind issues are. And so particularly in light of the social justice movement that's, that's emerged you know, with the Death of George Floyd and, and other recent events. Having these listening sessions where we're getting together groups of 20 to 30 team members and understanding kind of what their priorities are, has been a great way to hone different areas of focus for our business. And so what that's led to is really a commitment around one area, which is you know, our talent pipeline. You know, So how do we drive outreach into different groups that Cater to some of the segments, the diverse populations that we want, where we want to grow. For example, going back to my my college days, I was an active member of the National Society of Black Engineers, NSBE, as well as a member of a historically black fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity, and so engaging in partnerships with those organizations to uh, feed a pipeline. Of candidates is something you know, that we've been been working working on. Another area is, you know, how do we engage our team members? So establishing initiatives around employee resource groups that allow us to bring together both folks of, of a certain group, you know, as well as allies, you know, that group to be able to understand how we could be more responsive, create a more inclusive environment, you know, for our team members, and also coordinate joint community activity to support. The agenda, those constituents. Then I guess the, the last area that we've been you know, engaged in is looking at how we can bring more formal mentoring programs as a way to, once we get the right people in the organization, that we actually give them a path to grow you know, and do their best work. And so that's an area that has a lot of great energy around it, which is how do we, particularly for growing people into executive roles in high demand areas like data science, you know, how do we continue to grow that talent once we've attracted people with the right core skills?
0: That's great advice for companies that might be listening that are, you know, looking to start a diversity inclusion program or formal program, but may not know where to start. And like you said, when I was a recruiter and, you know, on the commercial side for a tech startup, one thing that I did as a recruiter is partner with HBCUs. Partner with you know women in tech groups at the local universities, uh, trying to make our teams, which were engineering teams, more diverse. And then on the flip side, in defense, you know, working in intelligence and S joining groups like on clearance jobs, cleared women and in intelligence, black and other persons of color are that have security clearances. I think that's important to not only partner with groups that are highlighting those voices, but also, just taking a step back and listening, I think that's another important piece of the, you know, being inclusive.
1: Completely agree with that. I also think there's great opportunities to to showcase talent. One of the things that that we've seen is that in order to grow in your career, you need to have a you know platform to share your story, you know, and demonstrate you know your um, your talents. And so that's another area that we begin to get more thoughtful about, which is you know it, whether it's you know, through virtual events, you know, like the upcoming INSA summit, you know, that we, you know, that we co-produce with ASIA or other mechanisms, different conferences or publishing papers, you know, creating, again, mechanisms for us to celebrate, you know, all the, the great things, you know, whether it's women or ethnic, you know, folks from different ethnic backgrounds are doing, which again, that both helps develop their career, but also we see it as a way to inspire, Others to to see that they can uh, go on that journey as well in our industry.
0: That's a great segue. I have really enjoyed uh, in the last few months the different diversity and inclusion events that the Intelligence and National Security Alliance has put on. They have just been so amazing and have highlighted some pretty incredible stories. I have to say.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think that's um, and it's something that we've we've been focused on, you know, as a, as a board is, you know, how do we make that a formal part of our, our go-forward strategy? So I think you'll see more examples of that, both with the, you know, the virtual events. We're, we're also looking at some broader programming. We're not only uh, celebrating individuals, but uh, companies, you know, that are led by diverse talent to give them an opportunity to, to demonstrate what they do to both uh, government acquisition officials as well as large crimes that are looking for teaming partners. So I think it's it's uh, it's very exciting days and and what's been great is there's been a lot of given INSA you know, it's highly focused on being a catalyst for conversation and action across the uh, the public and private sector. So both you know industry, government, academia, you know, and the like, you know, we're seeing a lot of great energy where leaders across the community want to uh, band together to drive role change.
0: Absolutely. And given, you know, COVID-19, I think INSA has done an incredible job in, you know, still being a part of this that conversation and starting those conversations. So hats off to INSA just for the way that, you know, the group has handled COVID. How would you say COVID-19 has affected Maxar Technologies and the way that you all operate? <laughs> well, it's been
1: <laughs> the question of the year. A, uh, well, I, I think we've all become, gotten PhDs, like on the job, <laughs> PhDs mm-hmm. in crisis management. You know, we, we went from close to 90% of our team working either on customer sites or uh, out of our corporate offices to over 80% working from home over a period of two weeks. And, and so, you know, fortunately, we've been able to, to continue to operate, be productive because we had the right you know, technology. In place and, and also uh, had done a lot of planning, you know, around uh, different crisis scenarios. I think what's been, you know, been interesting is we all, most crises, they start and stop, you know, they have kind of a defined, you know, time period around it. And this has been going on, you know, a long time, you know, and so I think we've had to both reorient ourselves, you know, to look at it as more of a marathon than a sprint and also be thoughtful about, you know, what, this has been a catalyst for change, but, but what are some of the things that it's enabling us to do different that can be enduring? And one of the areas that I, I think has been really terrific out of this is that, you know, it's allowed us to be able to attract and develop talent in more of a virtual model. So I mentioned earlier, we, we grew our internship program to over 150 team members uh, this past summer, that was up by, I think, close to 50%, you know, from where we were in 2019. And, you know, we had some trepidation because, you know, hiring and managing <laughs> interns that reigned from, you know, those right out of their freshman year to those in graduate school, you know, we, we were concerned about our ability to manage that group of talent, but it was a, a very successful program. I think the other thing that we've seen is, is that it's allowed us to facilitate relationships that you know historically were are limited to certain locations. I think that going back to the insa event, I mean like the the, the new ic event uh, that we hosted, mm-hmm. you know that that had many more participants you know, than we normally would have had in that event by shifting to a virtual format. And so creating an inclusive environment where we can, you know, get people who whether they're more, you know, typically an event that may have appealed to more senior uh, people, you know, people who later stage in their career, to be able to democratize it a bit, to both reach people early in their career and also those that may not know much about what we do, I think it's been a catalyst for us to be able to to get that that benefit.
0: Absolutely, that that was a, a great event. I really enjoyed covering that. And so you mentioned the uh, Intel Summit, which is coming up September sixteenth the 18th, which is exciting, and I do know that the nominations are currently open for the 11th INSA Achievement Awards. What other events or news, you know, where can our listeners find that information?
1: The (laughs) INSA website is a great place uh, to to start. I think that, you know, we're, the team has been doing a great job of planning for completely virtual format. I mean, you know, our, our expectation is we'll have several thousand members of the community, you know, to, to together, uh, the, the roster of speakers is fantastic. You know, so, basically, who's who of leadership across the intelligence community and Department of Defense. And a lot of the the thematics that, that we'll cover at, at that event are really around how, how the community is operationalizing a lot of the, th- the themes of the national defense strategy. So, I, I see that as a really great forum to both uh, learn. Uh, and then we're working to create uh, mechanisms to to engage so so definitely it you know, would encourage everyone to 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 register you know for for that for the virtual event and then as you mentioned you know with the Insta achievement I and mean, this is a great way for us to celebrate you know all of our uh, top contributors both those that have you know many years of contribution you know, to the mission as well as the you know some of the rising uh, stars uh, in our in our industry one of the things that uh, we've been fortunate to have supported you know some efforts. Uh, one, one example I'll give you quickly of a, a prior uh, year award. We partnered with in- Inqtel on an effort called SpaceNet. Uh, SpaceNet's a an LLC, a nonprofit uh, that we've we've established to advance the research in the area of applying machine learning to remote sensing data to be able to automate you know different different processes. And and so that's a you know collaboration that now includes. Uh, Qtel Cosmic Works, one of their labs, uh, was one of the sponsors of that, uh, as was Maxar. You know, we, we kind of co-founded this initiative, but now we have participation from you know different overhead providers like uh, Planet and Capella. You know, are affiliated with it. The NGA is a participant. Amazon, Intel. And so those types of initiatives, they've done a lot of great things to advance research in the community but relevant to the mission. And um, we've had a couple of the, the leaders of that get recognized, you know, through through that forum where, where Sue Gordon <laughs> was able to to congratulate them on what they're doing to to advance the state of the art in the community. And so those those types of forums are, are really valuable and it gives us a way to celebrate, hey, what we've accomplished, but also, you know, who's helped us get there.
0: Excellent. I, I'm really looking forward to those, Tony. So, uh, closing thoughts on you know national security, diversity, inclusion that you can share for our listeners today.
1: You know, I came from a, an environment where I was, um, you know, I, I didn't, uh, you know had had a great great upbringing. Had you know, but but didn't come from much, you know, in terms of you know the you know the means we had. And, and so education was a path to opportunity for me. And, and so when I, I studied uh, technology in college, you know, the career paths were very slanted towards the commercial, you know, world. So I didn't know a lot about the national security community uh, growing up, but, you know, but knew that I was really interested in technology. I wanted to apply it to hard problems. And I uh, felt like, you know, I could both make a difference, you know, but also use that as a path, you know, to drive upper mobility you know, for, for me and my family. And so when I came into this industry about 10 years ago, that was the ability to to have, you know, an opportunity to grow an industry, do something really important. It's kind of stuck with me, right? As, uh, as what what's kept me engaged. I, I think that, you know, being a person of color you know, and having a lot of situations where yeah, you know, I was the only Black person in the room, you know, so to speak, coming up in the tech industry, this is personal to me. <laughs> so sure. it, it's really important uh, in my mind that we developing generations of talent you know that are bracing skills that are relevant, you know areas like data science, software development, cloud computing and the like that's how you know we're going to continue to compete globally you know we need people with those skills. that's also going to be a path to create a lot of wealth you know in terms of personal wealth in terms of growing you know and closing the, the, the economic divide you know that exists you know, along areas like racial, racial lines. And so a lot of what I'd like to kind of offer up for the audience is if there's ways that different, you know, folks in the audience, you know, want to collaborate on efforts that would expose what we do, you know, to diverse audiences and, you know, and give them on ramps, you know, in their community is something that, you know, we're certainly, uh, we're focused on it at Maxar, but we also think it's relevant for the overall community. So happy to, you know, explore those opportunities for collaboration.
0: Excellent. Thanks so much for sharing that, Tony. I really do appreciate it. And I really appreciate you joining me today. Those are all the questions I had for you.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity and, you know, and and really appreciate our partnership with Clearance Jobs. It's been an important partner for us as we as we grow (laughs) and and bring the right talent into our organization.
0: This is Katie Keller, editor at ClearanceJobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of ClearedCast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.